and good evening welcome to bring another video this one again is life of a dad series the podcast that we cover the life and times of well me and my family um being a dad of five so this time here this one here is covering well covering me um you can't have a life of a dad series without having well the dad so therefore we're going to cover me my internet any secrecies and things that basically all about what happened in my basic life that makes me me and basically makes it so that you can understand a little bit about what my kids and what i teach them and how is it all going so without that you know you really won't have a basis of exactly what's going on so again this is life of a dad and this time here we are covering myself. Okay, well, I am in the easiest way to say so that I was born on the, in New York City to a lovely woman called Minnie Lee Edwards. She was my mom. She she is the person that basically raised me because it was just me and mom. That's it. Um, my dad was not around. Um, they made a song called um, "My Papa Was a Rolling Stone." Wherever he laid his hat was his home, and that basically covers my father in a nutshell. And basically, my job when I, you know, all growing up, seeing all the stuff that we went through and everything else of that was to say that, well, I'm going to make sure that I'm not like him. You know, I want to make sure that I'm going to be the opposite of him. Try to be the greatest dad in history, or at least in my history, um, to go down. Now, my family does not have a lot of boys. So there is not a lot of male role models that you can say, okay, well, he can just look back on, you know, um, cousins, things. Okay, most of my cousins are girls. So that doesn't really help you. So I was born in the year of our Lord, um, 1970. That year, basically, you know, you just basically after the last war, well, we had a current war after that, but the Vietnam War and everything else that. So people of color basically start just basically getting their rights good, knew how to take care of themselves. Um, really was a time of perverse change or a lot of change in the industry. A lot of things changed as it, you know, we started getting rights, but even during that time, you had a lot of, if you're a person of color, you were disrespected. You were just basically a half person. You weren't a complete person yet, but you were a half person. So I grew up in um, Harlem Hospital in New York and mother basically to a single mothers for that now it took me normally you you just stay you get out nine months and everything i said i stayed in a bit longer than most like that so nine and a half months but i was born in a healthy weight and everything else that but as being born i almost almost killed my mother um yes she after having me she bled very heavily of course they had to take her to icu and everything else that so a lot of you know she almost didn't make it as well so basically i was about this far from being on my own thankfully she pulled through 
and from that stage life was hard now my mother was on her own ever since she was, since she was 13 years old because her and her mother did not get along at all so she was put on a young age so my mother basically raised me as life is going to give you lots and lots of crap you have to be able to deal with that crap and keep on moving okay so my first memory as you know kid and everything else that i remember my my childhood days and everything else that which was great when i was very little we lived on 106th street in new york my mother had an apartment and some, some small sentiment buildings like that and at three and a half years old you know we got burnt out meaning that there was a fire in the, the apartment building now again this has been relayed to me from between my mother's account and of course plus the statements from you know the because when they just fired there's a fire investigation everything else to that so my mother ran back in because again i was staying you know upstairs and everything else to that the apartments are in this location so that is like a two-story it would be the best way of putting it so that even though you have multiple tenants in the building but it's a small like a small walk up and everything else to that so my bedroom's upstairs she's downstairs and when a fire started and everything else to that it it didn't enable her to be able to get to it flashed over so he wasn't able to get into easily get back upstairs so basically she ran through smoke and everything else today and fire to get me run me out of the building and hand me to the firefighter then she ran upstairs back up into the building to get my dog choo-choo my first dog and everything else today because again he was a member of the family she ran back upstairs got the dog brought a master back outside and in the process she brought out the one thing that i um you know, needed to sleep and everything else like that. And that was, it was a little light that looked like a cartoon character. It would have had a red tongue sticking out and everything else like that. And that was my you know, first memory experience sort of, you know, th that fire. So again, I'm, you know, you, you're talking about a really young age and everything else like that when you get burnt out. I'm still like, no, actually I was two years old. So when I got burnt out. So after that point there, we had to stand, stay with on Ida. She wasn't really our aunt. She was basically my mother's best friends that, that she worked with for a long time. So we lived with Aunt Ada on a mattress on the floor. And the only thing I had was my mom, my dog, and this little nightlight that I still have somewhere in this house to this day. So already, you know, you see that it was a struggle not to come into this world it was a struggle my mom staying in this world and it was a struggle just to survive just the first few years of my life so you know after this is two when the fire happens but because again i remember it was, i was you know very very young i was still in the crib and everything else that roughly because the crib turned into a day bed so um my mom applied for public housing and you know, it takes a while to get that sort of, so we stayed for you know, about a year or so instead of in with on either until public housing came available. When public housing came available, we moved into Lincoln projects. Now, 
anybody that knows anything about New York City and stuff like that, the projects is the PJs. You know, anybody seen any of the TV shows around about the projects and everything else that, you know, you, you're, you're living with people stacked on top of you, on top of you, beside you, below you, everything else that. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, it depends on how you look at it. We actually moved into the same building as my grandmother. She was two floors below us. So when we moved in, only thing we had again was the dog, the mattress, and you know, the little light night. So that was my, my world. That's all I had and everything else like that. Now mom worked behind off and everything else like that, you know, and got furniture for me first. So the bedroom set that my son has right now is the bedroom set that I've had you know, literally since four years old on, you know, it, I've had it forever. So that's the mattress that my, the mattress, sorry, the bedroom set that my son has right now. Mom didn't have the bedroom set. She had the mattress that I had and that was her bed until she needed enough money for her to finally get a bedroom set and start to slowly, you know, furnish the house. But again, Living in the projects and everything I said, you're on your own, times were hard. This is not where you're, okay, you're making hand over foot. She's working in the kitchen in a hospital inside of New York City, trying to make money to do everything else like that. So you have to think of life as being super hard in New York City. Okay, now all this time, she's still instilling in me that you cannot let things get you down no matter how much crap is thrown at you take it use it work through it don't sit there and be like well i can't do anything life's too hard no no <laughs> life's hard get over it keep on marching okay so growing up and everything else that you know i my, my mom is like that it's like okay well time for me to get into school well she put me in school now even though in new york city this school's literally you can go you know 10 blocks there's another school so the closest school is literally right next to where um where we lived at basically it was a block and a half away so she happened to transfer jobs and started working for the city as at that time they was you just it was just called a secretary that's it. You were, you know, not, not in the way administrative assistant now. And everything. No, you was a secretary. That's all you did. So <clears throat> with that job, you know, times got a little bit better and everything else like that, but you still never have never had enough money because you got to feed, clothe you. You got to, um, bus fare, things like that. Um, winter gear, so we had a little bit of money to do what was necessary to pay them bills and everything else like that, but we didn't have, we weren't flush. We didn't have a lot of money. And you know, Christmases were hard, you know, when it, you have other kids that had a dad around and everything else like that, you see them have the toy with the, the Kung Fu grip, the GI Joe and they get the foot action. Oh, no, I didn't have all that stuff. Um, my mom would, you know, we would have a good Christmas this year, then the next year wouldn't so well because again, the money was tight. 
So every other year, Christmas got better. Now, what made it worse is since my birthday is in the same month Christmas is, yeah, you had Christmas. You birthday, you didn't get both things. You didn't, you, you, it just money wasn't like that. Okay. You get clothes or something on your birthday. You're happy you got that and you keep on going. Now you're seeing me on the picture right now so that this is me, you know, um, always had long hair. The picture before and so that you'll see that's the only picture that I've never had here. And that's because my um, godfather basically took me to the barber and had my hair cut and my mom flipped her lid completely because that's not something that she ever wanted me to you know, shape up to cut the hair and mess up stuff like that. So you can see here so that, that you know, I had the um, bow tie on, excellent shirt, everything else. And she strived to get me the best, whereas she was wearing the same coat for, you know, four or five years, you know, whereas I would get the, the new coat, you know, to win it. Cause again, I'm a boy, I ripped up the coat doing, you know, being a boy. So going through stuff so that Everything was going great until about, well, again, relatively speaking, you know, life was good. I enjoyed my childhood. Get, get, uh, we happen to have a park outside so you can actually play outside in relatively safety so that, you know, we always had the same curfew and so that if you see the lights come on outside, your butt better be in the house. When school was going on, everything else that there was no TV. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I snuck watching TV and everything else that. And when I got caught, well, she filleted my behind because you know it was supposed to be no TV until she got home, so she can check over to make sure my homework was done, that I did what I needed to do, and everything else that. So there was no thing of. Well, you can shuck and jive. No, she didn't, she didn't believe in that. You had to get that homework done. It better have been done right. It better be done well. It better be done on time or, well, the belt will be calling your name. Again, she was strict. Loving as hell, you know, bent over backwards to give me anything she could give me if she can get it. But she was hard. She, you know, cause she was like, you, you can't mess around and think that everything is going to be handed to you. Everything is going to be like, okay, well you can just have it and it's going to come to you. No. So I grew up in a household where, you know, I had my own room. She had her own room. You know, we had uh, the living room, basically a great living situation. But my mother was on the crazy side. You know, let me give you an example. Okay. My mom treated everybody the same way. If you need, or you are in need, you can come to Miss Minnie and say, Miss Minnie, I, if I need something, if she had it, she would try or help you some type of way to get, get, get to you. So that, so this was, oh, I think it was about seven years old. Mom had made some chicken big pot of um, collard greens, rice and everything else like that. You know, we cooked in, she cooked in big batches. So that batch will last a few days. You had leftovers. I eat leftovers. Cause again, I'm used to saying, okay, that meal, oh, I know to heat it back up again. So if she's not home ready, get something to eat and everything else like that, boom. 
Okay. So people come in and out because my house was basically like the community center. Mom made me a plate. Now, this man that, you know, again, my, my front door it, um, was always, always open, meaning that it literally opened. Now, the, most people had their door closed. My mom's door was open, it was propped open. You had the little um, wedge to keep it open because we, we lived that, it may, especially it made sure that you had a good air circulation. So you did basically, you didn't have to, you, we didn't have AC. So that air movement made everything, it's like, okay, they kept the house cool. You know, you had your fan going, everything else. that. It made sure the house felt nice. Again, we didn't have money for no AEC to put out an AC unit in the window and everything else. So, so guy comes in, mom, first thing she asks, are you hungry? Cause again, if you come in a house when dinner time is again, we, we make enough and it's gotta last, but still she doesn't want anybody to go hungry. Mama's just like, you know, um, a person will give you food, but they won't give you shelter, you know? So she's like, okay. Do you need, you know, a plate? I'll fix you a plate if that's what you need. Guy said, no, um, I, I miss me now. I don't want anything. I'm just going to sit right here and listen to some music and everything. Like, okay. So mom went about her business to let it finish, you know, doing stuff inside the kitchen for that. And I'm sitting there eating my food. Now, I don't know what this guy was thinking, but he reached in my plate, took my chicken and started eating my chicken. Now I started bawling out the eyes like that because it was my chicken. It's like that. I'm, and I only eat that. I, I was like, mom, he took out the chicken, my chicken. Now she came out from where she was like, boy didn't, because she called everybody boy. Because again, they were younger than her. So that didn't I just ask you, did you want something to eat? Why would you, that made her mad. And then his response, and I don't remember what the response was, but it made her so mad that she basically lost her damn mind. Now, the projects are the walls of concrete with plaster around it and the walls are steel reinforced walls and steel with concrete and everything else like that. So she went to the closet, got her pistol out and tried to shoot off the top of his head. Now, again, when she gets really, really angry, this is why I've said about the anger management thing. So that she'll lose spatial awareness about what the hell is going on. She forgets I'm in the room. So she's shooting at the guy. Now, again, she's not shooting to where I'm at, of course. But the problem is concrete and steel is a ricochet waiting to happen. So she shot at the guy. The thing just barely missed him ricocheting and everything else. So that then it came to awareness to her and said, like what the hell am I doing? My son's even though again, he's on that direction. I'm this direction, but still, if you hit the wrong thing and ricochets around and bad things happen. So yeah, so that's where you can see where you can talk about the anger management issues that I have because I inherited from my mother. And I know she inherited from her father, my grandfather. I'm going to the situation that in just a minute. <coughs> now, 
you would figure it's like that. Okay, once that situation happened, she old crying, apologizing to me. Even though I was definitely, I was nowhere in the vicinity. I'm this way again. I'm in the opposite direction of where she's shooting at. But still, she lost her mind for a second because the anger just welled up like that, and then you know things like that happen. Okay, that incident showed me that. Okay, and showed let everybody else know everywhere because of course she told the of course you know the police came everything else like that my mother was good because again she had got arrested a lots of times for incidents like this but she also knew how to when the police come around she was so apologetic so i don't even know what a way to put it that you feel sorry for her and not for the person that she did something to. It's like she, it, you know, it, she pours out so much sugar and sunshine and rainbows and everything else to that. And plus all the police officers do is like that, that, okay, when there's something happening in the community, the, the kids in the community said the place was a safe place, a safe haven and everything else to that. So nothing criminal happens in this area. So again, my house is the community center. That's where it was. So I grew up around lots of teenagers, lots of adults and everything else to that, you know, and lots of crazy things. So just so happens on the other side, basically down the hall and around the corner, our house is by the stairwell. On the other side around the corner, there's also a stairwell house. And that house, it's apartment, sorry, I can keep it up. That apartment is basically where the neighborhood drug dealer for the building lived. Okay. So I'm about nine years old. One of the few times our, our door is actually closed. Now this is before they changed the doors around from the, the outside of the square of the door was steel. The middle section of the door was like a plywood with steel on the, on what basically steel on this side of it and so on this side, but it was only about a quarter inch thick. So, Literally, <clears throat> they ran from one end of the hall straight down to where our door is and kicked the door. The whole center of the center section of the door folded in, meaning that they the frame still attached to the door frame. The center section came in and you had a bunch of different people with guns and a mash right inside the house. Where's the drugs at? Where you got the drugs? Pistol whip mom. Where the drugs at? Where's this at? Where's that at? Pistol whip me. So I'm nine years old. You have a bunch of guys with ski masks on putting a gun to my head, my mother's head, to find out where the drugs are. Mom is like, look, man, there ain't no drugs here. This where, where, where's your boyfriend? Look. Because again, my mom didn't have men around me at that age. There's no men running, tracing up and down. That you, you know, you see a lot of women nowadays where the, this kid has a, this man around, this man around, this man around, this man around. You don't know who the damn daddy is. Looking child confused. 
I never had a succession of men around me. That didn't happen because mom, whatever she did, it was away from the house. No men were inside the house. So these guys looking through the closet, looking through my closet, and she's like, now you can see, she's seething mad. The, the tears are running down her eyes and you can see that she wants to kill these guys because they hurt me. Nothing about her. And it's like, there's no, there's no thing here, man. You have the wrong house. They look through her closets. They don't see any male clothes there. They look through my closet. My closet was deep. They look through all that. So they, there's no male clothes here. Then somebody finally realized we in the wrong goddamn house. Cause again, there's two, they was told, probably told it's the, the apartment that's right off of the stairs. Again, both sides, there's two staircases. You go up the wrong side of the staircases like that and you at the, the drug dealer department or our apartment. So they see that they got the wrong thing. They tie me up, they tie mom up, and they boogie. Now again, you know, when you crash through a front door, there's a big ass commotion. So the cops came, everything else like, late to the party, like everything else like that. I'm traumatized and everything else is, I'm a freaking kid. At first the time I had a gun to my goddamn head. Mom's pissed off mad for that, you know, in, well, at that point, I no longer felt safe in this, in this area today because, you know, you literally, you cannot get that image of your kid with a gun to your head and people in your house and just invaded your space. Unless you've been robbed at gunpoint, you cannot understand it, the, the emotional toll that, that happens to you. And even that as an adult, that's one thing. As a kid, yeah. Okay, so after that happened, it's like that, you know, mom is trying to make arrangements to have us transferred. Could you, if you're in housing, you can request a transfer to another housing, housing product, project. In the meantime, they changed the door from that the standard door to the full steel door. Now we were the first apartment that had the full steel door in almost all of housing. Within the next two or three years, they started changing over all the doors to that after this incident, because she could have sued the city and everything else to that for, you know, for the crap door. It, a lot of shit that could have been different happened, but you know, you don't, when you ain't, you don't got money for a lawyer, again, you're a person of color. Yeah, you know, stuff don't come to you like that. Okay, so, the transfer finally, finally happened. You get moved to a different area and so that, and we moved down to another, pro another project. Hold on a second. So we can move to an another, pro another project. Okay. Now we went from Harlem to Spanish Harlem. Better neighborhood. We like basically we are we are like a hop, skip, and a jump from what's called Yorkville, which is upper upper middle class um, neighborhood. Now the good thing about it is where we lived. That's for that life got a whole lot easier there 
because you didn't have now don't get me wrong you still had outside your door because <laughs> this is the projects drug deals still happening but the police precinct literally was across the street the fire department literally is across the street so even though the police department fire department is right right across the street right in front of the projects and everything else like that everybody knows who's the drug dealers who the thing is who the that is everything else like that it's, that's just where it is in the projects it doesn't matter where you live at drugs were sold on every you know stoop porch um park thing you can live at but this happened to be a different place to live and it's friendlier more green space because lincoln didn't have a lot of green space it was more like a concrete jungle where i moved down to washington you had plenty of green space this project was again since it was further downtown the property values basically were better <laughs> you're still living in projects but you're in the cleanest projects it is you still have the drug dealers all the way around you but you know you're living better Okay, so my, my, you know, my years in junior high school were, again, uneventful. You know, again, you still have the same um, good things going on where you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, but I was able to work. Yes, I was working since I was 14 years old. Actually, I was working before that. Um, when I we moved down again, when we moved down there, it was about 10 years old. So that, and I happened to be able to go to the the, the local place that was over here, and it's like just like in, uh, up north to sorry, to make a little bit of more money. Is the pack bags. So all my life, I've been doing the same thing. On the weekends, I would go to the local supermarket. And it's not like now we're warm at where you, you, the, the people pack the, the, the cash just packed it back. No, they had packers. You had little kids that are sitting there working for tips, packing your bags. They pack your bags. And if you need them to, they'll take the cart, take the, the walk your, your stuff to your house, go up the elevator, take the stuff to your house. They would give you money. Most of the time it would be a dollar. And then you take the stuff back to the thing. And you're like, yay, I made you know, whatever for the day. So even when I was up in um, Lincoln, I did the same thing. When I came down here, it was even better because there was more, <coughs> more stuff to do. The candy places were better. So the, the where you can get food that was better. So the money that I was making packing bags supplementing our income and I know it hurt my mother's soul because she was like, well, you shouldn't have to pack bags to make more money for yourself so you can have lunch money. So you can sit there and go to the, going go to school, buy a bag of candy. Cause yeah, I always had candy. I'm the, I'm, I'm the popular guy. Cause I got it. I use my the, the dollars I done made from packing bags put some to the side to bomb something for the house, but I would save enough money so I can have enough money for the week to buy snacks, candy. I have always had the big blows. I always had the candy fishes and everything else. I got the big bag of candy and I like, mm, yeah. Again, had a work ethic for ever since five all the way through because I had this 
bubbly mom that tried her best and you had to work. I, I mean, I didn't have to work, but you can see how hard she's working to try to make ends meet. You, she instilled in me to have the same work ethic as to try to ends, you know, make as much as you can to do whatever I needed to do. So again, I went from packing bags, um, doing the fresh air fun thing, meaning that I was able to work during the summertime for the city of New York, you know, cleaning the park, um, cleaning off graffiti, you know, sweeping the, 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 the walkway in the parks and for that, things like that. Um, raking the grass, literally. And you know, you got yourself a check with your own name on it. And you're feeling good. Cause you're like, I have a check, you know, now this is what the first time that actually a gentleman actually started living with mom and us. She felt comfortable enough with this person. Again, I'm guessing she's been dating the person for a long while before she even introduced them him to come into our house. So you have to respect her game is that, you know, this not just bringing man after man after man in. This is like the first man that's been around for a while and everything was that. So something happened, you know, they got into an argument and a fight and he made a mistake. He raised her hand to her. Now, again, a child seeing a man raised her hand to her after having, you know, stuff happen with gunplay and everything else like that, it made it so that I had to, I did, it angered me and I grabbed a baseball bat and I took a baseball bat to the back of his head. Yes. So I was already in therapy for this for before that because of the, the gun violence. Had to continue therapy because I hit a man gentleman in the back of his head. Now again, my mother is no slouch. She can handle herself. I've seen her fight many of times and everything. She, you know, she could have took him anytime she wanted to because she was already hitting fighting back at that point. But still, he raised her hand. Since you raised your hand to my mom, I raised the back to the back of your head and he had a lot of stitches in the back of his head. You know, the ambulance came and everything. I said, mom took the blame. So like, well, he, he hit me and I hit him and blah, blah, blah. And nope, the cops were like, okay, just you go that way. You go that way. Boom. Everything is fine. Now I know this guy to the back right now. He has stitches going from the top of his head all the way back. And you can see the ball spot. I, I, I've seen him later on in life that where I hit him at, there's a ball spot, a permanent ball spot. That's about, oh, about five inches long. Cause I try to break his skull completely open. So again, I understand what anger management is because I had to see a therapist for a long time and they didn't use drugs. They didn't use all the crap all that they do now and everything else like that. It was do these things to control your anger. You know, count the something other, think of this, think of that to control your anger management, get a breath, what have you. But again, my life was getting better. So 
every time that I would have fights and everything else that throughout my life, it would never be with one person. It would always be multiple people because my brain says, okay, if you want to bring it, just come on. You know, it didn't matter to me how many there were. Bring it on. So the next thing happened was I um, went back to my old project. Again, I'm in junior high school. Going back to my old project to see my what, what, what my so-called best friend and everything else like that, and went to the big park playing basketball. Get some other guys playing basketball, and again, I haven't been in the projects in a while. And me and Dar Darren's playing basketball. We get into fight with these guys on a basketball court. They threw the ball at me. I threw the ball back at him and fight ensued. Now, it's supposed to be me and Darren versus five guys. Okay, two against five. All right, cool. No problem. Bring it. Again, that's how my mentality was because I was brought up to be, you know, self-sufficient. If it's going to fight, going to break out, you got to do what you need to do. Darren, my supposedly best friend, Runs off like a little bitch. Leave me there alone. I'm the punches coming at me from this way, that way, every way, but I'm throwing punches back this way, that way, and everywhere too. Now, what makes it worse is Darren had a bat in his hand that he could use as an equalizer since we were outnumbered. He runs off. Okay. Now, this was a guy named Vincent. We've been enemies forever over an incident I'm not even going to cover. Darren runs off. Vincent picks up the bat and it's me and my worst enemy versus these fools. And we don't, we don't throw it down. Now, by the time this happens, since everybody know me, still knows me in the neighborhood, they don't contact the mom. Mom's running this way. All the people from 2120 is running this way and everything else like that, because these guys wasn't really from the neighborhood. They was from the next projects over. So they throwing down to us. We handle the business the best we can, but our posse, again, from where I live at, it's about a half a block away in you know, project terms. They come in and slide that and they see them coming, then they run off. Now I have to sit there and thank the person that's my worst enemy in the world. Yo, thank you, man, for he's like, yo, I don't like you and everything else to that, but I ain't gonna let you go out like that because we always have respect for each other for that. How is it that the person that's supposed to be your friend, your best friend, run off like a little bitch? Okay. So that's why I have the philosophy so that I have a lot of people that are associates. I might use the word friend, but I, that term don't really quantify with me. If you can't be there when I need you the most, when I'm down and out, when that need is great, you're not my friend. You're the person I hang with, we buddies, we associates, but friend, nah. 
Now, that might be wrong of me. That might be why I, I, I have friends like that and everything else, because I don't. But there's people I know, respect, we talk, we cool, but I don't do friends. Because friends will let you down at that critical moment when you need them the most, and they're gonna run off on you. Your family, they ain't always your friends either, unless they close. That's the reason why I instill in my kids, it's like that you guys to have each other's back no matter what the hell else is going on. You gotta be there for each other because if I'm not there, mom's not there, you got to be there for your brother or your sister. Don't count on anybody else to come save you because there's no white knight run up on no fucking horse coming to say, I'm going to save you. No, there's no such thing as Captain Save-A-Ho because I done did that too many times in my life. I'm riding to someone's rescue to help them. But when the time for them to help me, you hear crickets. Well, uh, I, well, I wish I can help you. No, see, okay. Bye. So that's how my life was. And that's just the teenage years. <coughs> now I'm getting old and some of that. I'm working. I am going to school. Finally hit high school, which is cool. So I, you know, I'm in the, like the fourth or fifth best school in New York city, aviation high school. You know, and you had your, your, your Stuyvesant, your everything else to that, your specialized school. New York, you had specialized schools where you are the best of your best in medical or mechanical or whatever your brain process is. If you can pass that specialized test to get into that school, you can get into the school. It's not just a regular public school where any Joe Smoke can come inside and ride up in like, yo, I'm in, I'm whatever, no. ABH high school. Now it might be different now than it was then, but you had to take a test to get into that school. With this on the screen right now, so that you're seeing me, um, the Amaretto um, aristocrats. We were working on jet engine planes, turboprop planes. We worked on avionics. We made skins, meaning we made airplane wings. You know, you had to be able to do tires, everything. I learned a trade. I learned before in high school how to disassemble, reassemble, you know, a plane. What to do in any situation in the plane and everything else, how to taxi a plane, how to move the plane, everything. You know, I graduated 16th in my class. It was 15th until the person that basically he missed the test for the final grade to graduate. He missed it. Okay. Cause they were giving out toolboxes. So it came in 15. I was going to get me a toolbox to start off my mechanic trade at Pan Am where it's fully created toolbox. So I can work on any plane. My mother didn't have to spend any money anything else of that. Cause while I'm going to I wanted to be able to do all of this and then go to Imperial Aeronautical University down here in Florida. Okay. So came in 15th, life was good. Then this is how I'm telling you about disappointments. This kid 
came back to take the test. Now, and again, the test was cut off. It shouldn't have been no way for him to take the test. But he had this, that almighty dollar with doctor's things from everything else and that. Now, everybody knew that he was literally not just out of town, but on vacation. So he's on vacation, comes back, Mr. Tess had people write stuff for him, doctors, things saying, oh, he was on vacation because this something happened, blah, blah, blah. He gets to take the test, beat me out of the last spot. So I went from 15th to 16th. That means no toolbox for me, nothing else like that. Now, and I come to find out from other guys that he basically got the test answers by, cause people, again, you, these things are, are remembered. We, after school, we talked about, okay, this is how I did on test. I think I did, got this answer, blah, 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 and everything else like that. So he was able to know what the questions are gonna be. So when he takes the test, he got a leg up on everybody that had to take the damn thing the hard way and he be mounted. So that's another life to, to kick in the teeth that says, okay, my way of thinking about it, and I'm, I'm pissed off about that to this day, but the thing is, I have to think of it like this. I should have done better. I shouldn't have been 15th. I should have been 14th. I should have been 13th. I should have been any number above that. So that situation would have happened, would not have happened to me. It still would not have been fair to whoever the party was that that happened to, but you have to learn that life is full of disappointments. How you deal with that disappointment is how you get on with life. So, okay, I didn't get the toolbox, but I graduated still near the top of my class. Again, you can see how many people in this picture here and there's a bunch of different classes that shop classes that did this and everything else that. Plus I graduated with my Regents diploma. Again, you had your regular deployment you had the reasons for me, meaning that's, this is what y'all would call now AP class, meaning that I graduated with top honors and I also graduated with um, college credit. So when I went to community college, or if I was going to, um, in this case here, I wanted to go to Ember Riddle, I can just go and everything else that. That's when the next disappointment happened. So since I was not able to go directly to Ember Riddle because Again, that takes the almighty dollar. I didn't have the almighty dollar. I had to work. So I'm going to community college, LaGuardia Community College, and I'm also working at Pan Am as a line mechanic, supervisory line mechanic. I'm, I'm literally, I'm fresh out of school working on planes, the dead of winter, so I'm basically going from high school, sorry, going from high school to college, not the college I wanted to go to, I had to go to community college. From community college, while I'm there, I get out of school, get on a bus, right from the corner of the, um, the um, school, take the bus all the way out, transfer buses to go out to the airport, everything else like that. So basically, I'm, and now I'm working. I work from there all the way until 12 o'clock at night. 
and you hope in your plane is done that you're assigned if that plane is not done you are not going home you won't go home until that plane is done if that plane is not done until three o'clock in the morning guess what you're stuck there until three o'clock in the morning okay so plenty of times i've been stuck out there you know you know the bus stops running or whatever it's like that and i got to get my behind home get home and it's if it's if a good day it's two o'clock if it's a bad day it's four o'clock <laughs> you're on a way going to because since it, it takes so long to get to the airport you're doing your your college homework you have the books in your hand on the bus doing your homework going to work so you can keep your 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 grades going you're advancing while along while you're trying to make money while you're making money you're saving that money so you can pay for your tuition to go down to Amrito. okay so while i'm doing that and everything else to that you know now if i had went had the money to go directly to Embry-Riddle, the next situation in my life would not have happened. Okay, so college to work, college to work, college to work, finally got a break. College is out for the summer. Only thing is doing, I'm still working, but I'm like, okay, I, I can go somewhere during the daytime. Okay. So I decided, so that, okay, you know, I'm going to visit some of my old friends and my old project. So I go the way, you know, get off the, the way we were, the way the line was designed is I lived on the east side of town. My old project was actually between the east and the west side of town. So you had to take the number six train up to 125th street and either two things that happen, you can get off there and walk through Park Avenue, everything else like that. It's about mm, eight blocks, about eight or nine blocks to get to the projects, or you can take the train all the way up to the transfer point, which is in the Bronx, come back down the other way, which is on Lexington, or Lenox Avenue, and then walk a block this way. But doing that transfer and everything else, like that, it adds about an hour to your time. And I ain't really have an hour. I just want to go visit my friends for a little while and everything until that before I had to go to work that night. Okay. So, all right, well, get off on 25th Street like I normally do for that because again, it's the easiest way. Walk through Park Avenue, everything else that walk towards my old projects. And I had a gold Figaro chain that I've had forever in a day that I earned, you know, when I was 16 years old from the, the first job that I had. No, sorry, the first job, major job that I had. Okay. So walking there, four dudes walk up. Fuck. Here come the bullshit. I. So in New York, you tend to walk. And even though you scan around, you see what the hell is going on. You try to mind your business as best as possible. So if you ain't making eye contact with you, them, they ain't making eye contact with you. 
you know, unless they really want you for some reason so that everything is fine. Everything is groovy. Everything is great. So they done seen the chain on my neck. I'm like, okay, here's this bullshit. Have something happen. Okay. So my mind said, okay, you know, it's time for me to cross the street. So I won't be going to any places where I can get snatched up at these fools run up into the middle of the street. Next gun to my head. Fuck. Here we go with this bullshit. All right. So they snatched me up going towards where their, their, their project is now. There was a lot behind where their pro where, where their building was. So snatch the chain off my neck, you know, give me your money, your wallet and everything else. And then I'm smart enough in the know of New York city and stuff like that. You know, you don't carry a lot of money. If you have it, my wallet basically had my driver's license, everything else. So they go into the wallet and there ain't nothing in it. Snatch the chain, they run off. I'm still alive, but that's the second time in this lifetime that I've had a gun to my head. I'm mad, pissed off and everything else that. But these fools, thankfully, run up to their apartment, everything else that being loud and it's like that. Yeah, we just tell the, all the other friends. Yeah, we just jacked this fool outside, took a chain and that was everything else like that. We got all his, got his, see, I got, I'm listening to the conversation and I'm like, okay, flag down the police. I'm like, look, I just got robbed. I know exactly where these guys are. I remember their faces and everything else today because they have no mask on. They got the, the going to, I bet you they got the chain around my neck. Now my chain was engraved. So it had my initials on the chain. Okay. Please roll up and dance like that. All right. They try to play on officer. Like, nah, we ain't robbed this guy, man. Yo, he, he, you know, we ain't got his chain and everything like that. Guy got the chain around his neck. I'm like, officer, the chain right there. The chain is around his neck. Nah, man, that's my chain and everything else like that. I said, officer, if you get to look at the chain on his neck and everything else like that, if you look at the class, my initials are graved into the clasp. Officer checks the command. See the engraving or something? What should. Oh, uh, well, then they didn't try to change the story. Well, you know, he gave me the chain and the office line. No, you just told me this was your chain. You told me you ain't never seen this man before. So all three of them got arrested again. So that's twice I could have been out this life. All right. Next time I almost was out of this life is same area. I'm driving. I'm driving with four tourists. You got this guy that's from out of town, literally going Park, Park Avenue goes. One side goes uptown, one side goes downtown and the streets in New York are basically each other street goes in the opposite direction. So once street goes this way, the next block up the street goes the opposite direction. This guy's from out of town. He comes, or t makes a turn, comes down the wrong way street while I'm going here. So again, he's not, he didn't see no lights and everything else because the lights are actually the other direction. Cause he's going the wrong way on a one way street. He didn't notice that the cars are all facing the same direction he's going. Okay. Cause again, he's from out of town. So cars up there can face both side, way direction of the street. 
he didn't get that both sections of cards are facing him. So I'm going. I get T-Bone. Hits me so hard, literally I go between the building and two pillars that they put in front of buildings so you can't crash into the building. Hit me so hard that literally I'm going, I went from the driver's seat and I am now sitting on the passenger seat. No, seatbelt salon. The whole car is basically pushed in. So the seat where the seat's supposed to be at ain't there no more. Me and the seat is sitting on the other way. <coughs> Still alive and kicking. Everything else that hurt bad as F. But again, go away from that situation. It's not my time. But it's my time to get things done, to get stuff I need to do. So finally, I'm like, okay, New York is basically done with me. New York is not where I want to be at anymore because life is saying that you need to get the F out. You need to go somewhere else. You need to be gone. You don't need to be here. That's why I came down to Florida. I always had in my mind that I am never going to have kids until I have kids again. How my life was no kids until a I'm 30. I always had that in my head from the beginning. I had lots of girlfriends that were like, well, we, no, 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 no. I broke up with a lot of women for the same reason. I am not having kids until I'm 30 years old. I want to find the right woman. I want to have a house, cars. So if anything happened to me, they would have some way of sustaining themselves if I am not around. I want to be able to be in a situation where I'm, I don't have to be the wonderful, the, the immaculate house, but it's gotta be enough, something that if I'm going the day tomorrow, they can actually live until they are grown themselves and to get their own place. I've had a lot of things happen in my life. And what I'm telling you right now is just the highlights. There's other effed up things that's happened to me as well. You know, that, you know, I, I am the product of, you know, I, I was raped in my lifetime. People don't say that I'm like, your guy was raped. Yes, guys can be raped by females. Again, because I didn't want to have kids, so therefore you're going to take it the way ever you can get so you can have a kid. Things happen that you have to look in perspective and be like, you have to be able to say, this bullshit has happened. Okay. Keep it moving keep moving along keep going one step further and further and further until you get to where you need to be this is what i'm trying to instill into my kids do i go about it the right way all the time hell no because i am a damaged individual i have problems of my own but i attempt the best i can to make sure that these problems don't rub, up, rub off on them i try to have them be and you always want them to be better than you. 
I can go more to this and everything else about me and everything else, but I think that's a, a good background of who I am, where I come from, and what my philosophy is. If you want to know more about me and everything else that, you know, feel free to leave a comment and everything else that. Um, I sure appreciate everything else that. Um, I'm going to put this on YouTube and of course I'm going to upload this to the podcast as normal. But again, I want to keep this a little bit shorter today because it's already been almost an hour. Um, but this is Warburton Degree, Duke Edwards saying, hopefully you have a good night, have fun, and again, take care of your kids and your family. Bless.